Welcome to The Lighter Side of Dark, Season 5. Two of the world's greatest podcasters could not make it this evening. Instead, here are your hosts, Solio and Smith. Milk? Oh, that was terrible. What happened to what happened to milk? We were supposed to be doing. Oh, you screwed that I'm, up. I I'm, even gave you a cue. I'm a white guy who's still learning. That's 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 a, that's over two. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna try this one more time. Out of the dark. Milk, Epping! Now see, that is better. That was so much better opening, Solio. Nice work. It takes it takes a, you know, even in showbiz they need a few takes sometimes. See, I don't together. even know if it's a white guy thing. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't know that you could say, you know, milk is, is, is would be uh, you know, black or African American or Latino or Greek. That's true. That's more it's of a... Purely, uh, yes. Came it, from came from Carlin. It's, it's, yeah, it's just more from the soul. Carlin couldn't couldn't be more white. <laughs> he's, he's so white. He's transparent. All right. Well, season five, episode two. We are getting into it, as they say. Um, today on the show, we're going to be um, spotlighting um, Native Americans because the month of November is it is Native American is month. Native American month. Indigenous. What was what's weird is is okay again. Uh, Indians, um, unless you were playing cowboys and Indians as a kid, was to me was never derogatory. It was just a designation of another, you know, culture, race of people. I, I would, I would get and understand the fact that um, Native Americans would not want to be called Indians because the only reason they were called Indians is because Columbus thought he found India. Yeah, it's just a misnaming. Which the coast of of, of the islands, uh, you know, Bahamas and West Indies has nothing to do with looks looks nothing like India. I just can't imagine the how imagine just living your life and all of a sudden you're being called Indians by some guy who showed up out of nowhere and you're like what I hereby what? claim this country in behalf of Spain and no one else lives. Here. Excuse me, would you yeah. mind moving away, little brown uh, man? I, I the the <clears throat> amount of like. Um, Almost the first great entitlement is when Christopher Columbus arrived here and just just decided, well, I discovered this place. Oh, who are these Indians? Wow, India. Well, why aren't we? Why aren't we called the United States of Columbus then? I yeah. Well, they already kind of I guess erasing him. Although it's weird how. Well, the truth is, the actual North American continent and South America was discovered. We use that word discovered right. again. Yeah. Uh, let's say uh, documented and mapped. By Amerigo Vespucci, right? Another nice Italian fellow. Hey, hey. So uh, you know that's that's basically how that got started. So we became the United States of America, America as an Amerigo Vespucci, not uh, United States of Columbus. Um, I've always thought, at least recently, with a little bit of my woke tendencies, I don't think we should be celebrating Columbus Day. I think there should be an Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. But getting back to my original point. They went from being called Indians, which, again, I can totally get the fact that they wouldn't want to be called that, um, to Native Americans. Mm -hmm. And now that's not good enough. Now it's got to be Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, that I'm not sure how I understand where, what, what 
what's offensive about Native American? What's what's better about Indigenous? Which is a much more general term, honestly. Truthfully, you yeah. could say that there's Indigenous people in. I would New concur, Zealand. Dr. Solio. Yeah. I would concur. Like with the that. Aborigines, they're Indigenous, aren't they? So that is true. It just kind of takes their identity away, I think. And and if you think about it, uh, I don't know why they shouldn't essentially be able to be called uh, the Sioux Nation, the Apache Nation. Yeah. Cherokee Nation. I guess we can't really ask them because everyone's dead. So maybe if we didn't kill them all off or let them die off, they they might have a little more say. I don't know in why <laughs> those Indians are so mad. We're basically splitting this country with fifty-fifty. Ridiculous. But hey, here's a casino. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that guy. He wasn't even ours. And you forgot this particular song should have solved it all. The Raiders going all the way back to 1971 Indian Reservation. That was that was supposed to solve all of it. Usually, one song is re- is the answer. Whether it's a world hunger, you know, once uh, We Are the World came out, no one was ever hungry again. It was amazing. Isn't that the truth? It's great. It's just it solved solved hunger with music. I don't know if you're aware. They did a uh, uh, an actual study where if um, the top five wealthiest men in America gave up 3% of their net worth, 3%, it would solve world hunger. Mm-hmm. I think, did we talk about this briefly last week? We may have, I don't know, we might have touched on it. We, we didn't we touch on some of the... No, no, as a matter of fact, we didn't, but I remember I was talking with uh, uh, Steve, one of our mutual friends, about it. And 3% of people like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and uh, the guy who does Tesla. Um, oh, Elon Musk. And Warren Buffett and uh, like people like Rupert Murdoch, stuff like that, the five mm-hmm. wealthiest men in America. 3% of their net worth. The problem with it is, is the same exact problem with uh, eradicating illegal immigrants. It can be done. It would just cost $130 billion to do it. And then you'd have, the, the country would come to a, a grinding halt because no one would be doing the jobs that supposedly, you know, white kids want to do, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is you could you could get, you know, Bezos and Musk and all these guys to just scratch a check for, you know, $40 billion or something like that. Sure. Whatever their net, net worth is. and But how do you distribute it? How do you get boots on the ground? How yeah. to get the food grown? How to get it shipped? So after it's all said and done, it, it it would probably cost almost as much as they're donating to get the food into people's mouths. Sam Kennison said, "You know, I could stop world hunger tomorrow. <laughs> you know, tell these people to go where the food is. Yeah, in the desert. You live in the desert. There is no food here. You know what this is? This is sand. You know, it's going to be a thousand years from now. Sand. <laughs> you know, give these people U-hauls. Give them suitcases, briefcases. You know, yeah. tell them to here. Come here. Come here." Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's dirt, it's more complicated than 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 that certainly. Uh, but uh, you got a guy like Elon Musk already bitching that he's got to pay his share of taxes. So when they bitch about just even paying taxes, it tells me that they're they're less interested in helping humanity and more interested in, in making a name for themselves and using the 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 means that humanity provides to make a name for themselves. Like Speak, speaking of indigenous people, yeah. When we colonize another planet, and in our lifetime, the only one that could possibly happen would be Mars. Right. 
And let's just say we find a bunch of people there. They would be Martians, wouldn't they? One would hope. You know, just maybe we maybe we think there's no life, and then it turns out there's a little pocket no, on I, Mars. My point is, what are we calling them? I I think we're supposed to call them Martians, right? But yeah. would they 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 shouldn't be offended by that? But we we thought we were going to Mars. We found people. They would be Martians to us. To them, they're like this place isn't called Mars. Yeah, this is Elon One. What are you talking about? Exactly. And then yet they're Martians. And Elon would change that to Elon One. He would. He he would think it's a sign. Yeah. And that's how they think. It's all about them. Change that C, get a different font, put a big L in there. He does look like he's a little bit Martian. If you if you kind of look in his vacant eyes, it's just sort of. I thought when he was on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> it really was hilarious. It was funny. It was absolutely. It was hilarious. funny because he was willing to to at least poke fun at himself. Yeah. Um, he he was, still was weird. He was I'm the I'm the first host that's on the spectrum. You know. Yeah. So uh, you got to be willing to do that at least if you're if you're gonna be on the show. Well, speaking of economy, let's get uh, that out of the way. Um, I think I remember our boy DJT back in uh, November before the election last year saying, if, if Joe Biden is elected president, the stock market will crash. Hmm. Oh, he's, he made a lot that, of threats. Did, did that turn out of to be true? Of course not. No. I think it just crested 36,000. Um, I'm I'm happy I invested in Microsoft in 2017. I'll put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying what's happening, and it's certainly not crashing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always the the stock market always somehow self-corrects. It when it when it gets too heavy on one end, the seesaw tips a little bit, and that's 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 to be expected with the stock market. But um, it's rarely, again, much like gasoline, very rarely controlled by the president. So uh, he also said that um, American goods and services would, uh, would, you know, that other countries around the world would stop trading with us instantly. And actually, we've seen a 61% growth in American-made products just over the last 90 days, just yeah. over the last quarter. The GDP is up over 100%. Mm-hmm. And did you see the job figures for the month of October? I have not. 512,000 new jobs over a half a yeah. million new jobs created in October. The thing people need to remember is how long it takes for everything once it's implemented and it gets through all the red tape. How long it sometimes takes for the for the to feel the impact whether it's good or bad, you know, sometimes the economy's starting to tank and we're still going to feel the effects of the pandemic as goods and services the costs have, have risen a bit and supply and demand the supply chains. But it Take some time, and it'll correct. Just like the economy is implementing all these, all these green and, and new renewable energy, that's going to create a ton of jobs, and we have the incentive to to get on that now. Yesterday, you know, so there's incentive to to create new jobs and programs and ways to combat this, force people to get creative through. There mm. are answers to our problems. Yeah. The problem is, the Senate and Congress can't make money at it. Right. There, therein lies, I think, the biggest problem yeah. with America as a whole. Well, I think the biggest problem, and it goes even further, is that uh, the, our government is no longer interested in helping the people of the country, but interested in helping the corporate overlords, even the Democrats. You mean the job creators? <laughs> right, yeah, the job creators, you the mean, ones who keep all the money and, and mean, squash all the you jobs. Mean, you mean the trickle-down economy? Yeah, right, I love that, yeah. the trickle-down yeah. shit. I mean, it's... I, I just don't see how you can hear a term like that, nod at it and go, okay, whatever you say, look at the state of the country and look at what Republicans do and the policies that they've enacted over the years 
and tell me how that this is liberal. I, I just don't get that. It's it's people who aren't doing any research in terms of. I mean, you can that stuff's freely available. What 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 was put in place during whose administration and what the effect of that is, and it, and it goes very deep to you know money and politics, all that stuff. I mean, I had a uh, uh, a friend who informed me that Obama uh, did one thing to deregulate um, a certain aspect of the American economy, which was allow companies to open up their companies overseas to mm-hmm. get cheaper labor. Okay. And I, 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 that didn't sound right to me. So I decided to go back and do a little uh, research because, see, this kind of research you can find in statistics and numbers in, yes. in, and also bills that were passed and so on. Yeah, this isn't fake news. People this who is... do their own research with, with COVID can kiss my ass and wash my crotch. Um, I found that it was George W. Bush in 1991 who eased the restrictions on allowing companies to do that. And there was a flood of lost jobs in the U.S. Mm-hmm. to the tune of during his administration, if you're ready for this number, it was just shy of six million jobs. Yeah. George H. Uh, w. Right. H. W. Okay. H. W. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Did I say, did I say W? I meant George H. W. But Herbert, okay. Herbert Walker. Herbert Walker. Senior. So, so yeah. Imagine that. So letting companies, not only it's now it's not even outsourcing at that point. He's they were basically deregulating it to the point where companies could open a business in another country, hire slave labor, basically. And then, then cut jobs in the U.S., keep the, all the bonuses that they get from the, the rising profits, you know, as a thanks to the, and, you know, and then people wonder where the jobs go. It's, well, I mean, we, we make fun of, I've, seen, I've heard comedians do it uh, ad nauseum, and I've done it myself, but it's like calling customer service yeah. for just about any American business, just about any, is, is really insane now. Because if you're lucky enough to get a guy named Gary who speaks English, then the conversation goes extremely well. But these these poor people, and I'm saying that because in, in two ways, they're poor financially and they're poor English speaking skills. Mm. They get abused. Yeah, they're just. I, get, I, I get t- frustrated. Yeah. I don't abuse them, but I do get frustrated. Yeah, they're taking the opportunity given to them in their country that they might not otherwise have, which is to, to make a job doing what they're telling. So they're just kind of doing a job for Making themselves. Eight to nine dollars a day U.S. Right, which is fifty dollars a day in some of these countries, mm-hmm. and you can live like a senator for twelve dollars a day. So you really can't blame that person looking out for them and their family. You can blame the corporations opening up offices, hiring people like that. Gee. Oh, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, wonder well, I, I want you to think about this. When you first started working for me as a DJ well over a decade ago, I, I spent I, I think I spent a lot of time training you in what to expect in our sure. And you can only do you know, you do the best you can. But I don't remember training you how to apologize profusely. I mean I, I thought you had that innate ability within yourself. I didn't teach you, okay, well, Paul, the first thing you're going to have to do is apologize to the bride about this. And then when she gets mad, you're going to have to apologize to the groom about this. And then when the client gets mad, you're going to have to apologize about this. And I want you to learn how to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm. I was on customer service the other night. And I finally, by the end of the conversation, I said, if sorries were dollars, you guys would pay my house payment this month. Right. I don't want your sorries. And I don't need your apologies. I need you to solve the issue. Right. Like an apology, I'm sorry, is okay to sort of 
welcome them to the conversation. But at that point, you have to have a plan to I'm fix it. I'm sorry you're going through that, Mr. Smith. Let's see what we can do to resolve the issue. Not, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. And then, you know, they don't know what to do. So they just keep they just, apologizing. They just keep, it, it sounds so weak. It's almost like they're po- paid to to take abuse. Right. And and that's it. And And... I mean, do people not realize how much that costs the company in the long run when they're losing, you know, you can lose customers over things like this. If, if you have a bad experience with a particular technology product and their customer service, there's other, there's other companies. You can try them. If they, they may have the same problem. If so, you find one until they don't and you stick with them and you speak with your wallet like they tell us to do. And, you know, so I, I, I'd like to think enough people get pissed off about it they just try to take their business elsewhere and they'll maybe then stop doing that i'm just so tired of of that but getting back uh you know george herbert walker bush bush senior was the one that really did that so it really wasn't obama um it's right. it's it's a lot of the gop's go-to uh is blame blame everything on the black guy yeah but you mentioned earlier it's uh, it's not really a republican or democrat thing it's a politician thing yeah and there are ways of solving issues in America. There's ways of getting to zero unemployment. There's ways of getting there. Mathematical ways, practical ways, logistical ways that could be mm-hmm. actually done. The problem is is that white Americans will have to roll up their sleeves and do some of those jobs. Right now, if I had it to do all over again, I would have pushed all of my kids into a trade school. Yeah. Plumbing, electrical, carpentry, mm-hmm. uh, masonry, uh, God forbid, uh, carpet cleaning. You know, jobs that need to be done on a constant basis. Construction, whatever the case may yeah. be. There's always a market for for a lot of these trade jobs. You can be fully licensed and ready to rock and roll in 18 months mm-hmm. and walking out the door making 70 80 bucks an hour you can get a lot more autonomy that way too if you know a trade because you you sort of you're you have the ability to be your own boss or or sort of you have a specialized set of knowledge you're not just a cog necessarily you can be if you have a big enough company but it's better than just being a, a worker an amazon employee who's just boy it sounds like I've read some of the experiences of people who've worked there. They're, they're, they're on the lines peeing in oh. bottles because they only get one bathroom break a day. Yeah, and just talking about how they're timed and how they're watched and and the types of grading systems. It sounds really despicable, and I'm very lucky that I got out of that. It's idiocracy, man. It's, yeah. Hey, you got to go to Costco. It's a nightmare. I mean, maybe I've been spoiled because now I've been a DJ for over 10 years. And even before that, it was sort of a gig worker when, when doing comedy and, and promos. I, I mean, the last 15 to 20 years, it's gotten so much worse even than it than it already was. It was already getting bad in the 2000s. But Well, the other night, I happened to be at uh, the establishment where my daughter works. Mm-hmm. And I was seated at a table facing a large screen TV watching the Steelers Bears game. Okay. And she had a table behind me. And these people had been literally having her run around like a chicken with her head cut off for this or that or this or that. And I, I see her go up at the end when we get ready to leave and give them the check. Now, this lady had complained that something was in her uh, Philly cheesesteak egg rolls. She took the thing out and ate them and complained 
So my daughter said, listen, I talked to my manager. We got that taken off for you. That shouldn't have happened. It wasn't anything that wasn't edible. I think it was like a piece of a pepper okay. that didn't belong in there. Or so, A piece of a pepper, <clears throat> something edible. Then they complained about the macaroni cheese bites. We're supposed to have eight. And my daughter explained to them, no, actually, it, it, you're supposed to have six. Here, here they are pictured. You're supposed to have six. So you, you weren't supposed to get eight. Um, so that, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't our fault, you know. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So they ran up a $100 tab, and they tipped my daughter $3. Oh, my God. That, that's infuriating to me. Now, here's, here's something that I, I mentioned it to my wife. And when I come up with solutions to people's problems, I, I find some people are very, wow, we hadn't thought about that. Thank you. And other people are like, no, now I really don't like you because you showed me a better way to solve a problem and I didn't think of it myself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have always trained you and every single person who's worked for me that if you foresee an issue, anticipate, communicate, participate. Mm-hmm. If you foresee it, you see you're anticipating a problem. For That's the first recognition. Then you got to communicate the problem with the necessary people mm-hmm. Who, it, who it's going to affect and then participate in a solution before the problem gets out of hand. And I, I wondered, I, I said to my daughter, I said, here's what I would recommend for you to do going forward. Um, now, for example, if someone asks you about a tip, I taught you a specific thing to say back to them. Do you remember what that was? Uh, not, not, it's not required, but always appreciated. Or it's a tip's not necessary, but you know, oh, never expected, always appreciated. Yeah, something exactly. along those lines. I, I mean, something like that. You can paraphrase it. I always say a, a gratuity is earned, not expected. That's a good way to put it. Too. The way you said it was exactly the same thing, just a little bit semantically different. I said to her, I said, if you you already knew going into this, these people were going to be bitches and assholes. Why don't you walk up with the check? And instead of doing the old check, drop, and run away stuff, which you guys are trained to do, and servers are trained to do that, mm-hmm. okay, I'll take that whenever you're ready. Boy, sure, they leave of course. skid marks. They don't want to be there when the person's signing the paperwork because that's intimidating. However, I said to her, I said, the next time you have a situation like this, walk up to the customer smiling and hold the bill in your hand, turn it and show it to them and say, I want to make sure that you know that we took the egg rolls off. Because there was an issue with those. You had them. That's fine. We took those off. That's our mistake. Mm-hmm. We did go over the macaroni bites. There's, there only should have been six. You kind of got what you got there. You, you weren't shortchanged. Is there anything on the bill here that would adversely affect my tip? Because they know you work for tips. In our business, we don't work for tips. But tips are very common. Sure. I'm going to ask you as a consumer. If you were having a rough night like that with, with a location... A, a purse, a, a, a restaurant, and a server came up to you and explained it that way. Would you be offended? I wouldn't, but you know, I can't speak for everybody because people like that table might be. Well, the thing is, is you're you're not offending them; you're clarifying. Right. You're saying, "I just want to make sure that you know you weren't charged for something that you had an issue mm-hmm. with, and and you weren't shortchanged on this." I just want to make sure that if there's anything I can do, that there, there's nothing I hear that's going to affect my gratuity, is there? Because I want to make sure to make things right. That's a way to do it. Mm. Sit it down. Maybe she would have gotten her appropriate tip at that point. Or maybe 10 bucks, Or maybe 15 The thing I worry about when it comes to the restaurant industry is so often they cater to the client when they shouldn't. Uh, if a customer is complaining, they, they often just, you know, the customer is always right, which I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase. I hate it. 
they're not. They're, a lot of times the customer is an asshole. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have to learn how to deal with them appropriately. But no, the customer is not always right. And in that business where the turnover is so great and the pace is so high, I find it unlikely the manager wouldn't throw that server under the bus if they were to complain. Like, we felt offended. She was like basically asking for a tip because people, customers like that, will twist words and, and intentions and then complain to someone higher. That person will get fired because they don't want to lose this family table. And it's complete bullshit. Because that family is more than likely either never going to come back or, or think, hmm, if I come back and do the same thing again, I'll get yeah. a discount. And if they don't tip your staff well, why do you want them eating at your establishment? You're, it's going to piss off your staff. They're going to get. They're going to start to get poor service if they're regulars. They're still going to be squeak, you know, squeaky yeah. wheel. How, how did that free order of egg rolls affect this restaurant in any way? It, it didn't. Nope. Because they have budgeted money in every month for free food that they have to sure. give away they know. to asshole customers. And it's sad because it shows you there's a certain level of entitlement built into their budget. Oh, we know people are going to complain, even if they shouldn't. So we have this little extra set aside to deal with situations like that. And I think that's the biggest problem is there is a sense of entitlement. I don't know why. I don't know why people like that think it's okay to go out to eat and then say, well, if you want a tip, you should get a better job. What is that? What is that? You were perfectly fine going out. You know, how about talk to the owner? Well, you need to figure out a better way to pay someone to stay. You don't get to, you know, take advantage of the job and then criticize them because you get to, to, to get off cheap for it. It's just right. a very, that I mentality. I, I mean, what we do is a service. It really mm -hmm. is a service. It's a, ser a service Definitely. that actively happens during a, the three, four, five hour period. Yeah. And that's why I believe that service should be rewarded subject to gratuity for exactly. sure exactly so i just i just thought i said that to her i said and she goes oh no no i would never do that and i said well then i'm yeah. beginning to wonder if we should go on maury povich and find out if i'm the father because i sure have enough guts to do it well i think it would be an interesting topic for a show like that any kind of talk show where it maybe it brings the, up the discussion of the restaurant industry the structure the hierarchy and how customers are treated versus how they aren't and how to, should things change you know what are customers like that? What is their opinion? I wonder. I do, I wonder if if maybe what you brought up is a very uh, very interesting point. What if the server asked the manager to walk over with them and verify the conversation as it occurred? I would love to think a good a good manager <laughs> should do those things that you were saying. I just know how the industry can be, and there are managers that would be willing to do that, and they probably have a pretty good pretty good turnover and. and yeah, pretty good. Uh, a pretty good rapport with their staff, and a good rapport with the and, staff and, like and you customers. Say, as far as turnover, don't have a high turnover as much. You know, there's always some in the industry because <clears> of the <throat> nature of it. But it's the kind of thing where there's probably managers that are willing to, but not enough good managers who are willing to deal with the headache that would go along with it because they already deal with so much bullshit. Doesn't that fall under the under the, the guise of? management it does manage bad yeah. situations and i think a lot of managers are managers not because they should be because the peter principle where they're promoted beyond their level of expertise you know oh you're a great server let's promote you to manager well hold on a second come on paul the trickle down theory applies there <laughs> that's true too really good servermanship will trickle down to all the ones that they supervise. It's amazing. Well, if, if, if you're not familiar with what the Peter Principle is to any listener who's like, what the hell is this idiot talking about? It's when you are 
Hey, that idiot is Paul Solio. <laughs> That's right. Solio is the idiot here. It's when you're promoted to some new position based on your performance at a position. You are not the case. But the position you're promoted to really doesn't have any relevant skills or necessary skills uh, to what you were just promoted for. So you're, you're basically... It could be you're you're being promoted to a position where you're going to fail or be bad, um, and that I could see that happening in the service industry where someone's a people pleaser, so they're a great server and they do everything they can to to hustle and do and they, and they get the tips and they're still a people pleaser exactly, and that inc- that trickles back to the customers because they're used to that calling in calling in no show uh-huh. they're a people pleaser they don't want to say anything to them mm-hmm. so I think it's it's a case of that and it's a difficult industry. To and it's, there's so much demand for it because there's so many restaurants. Think of how many restaurants there are in a given block, you know, wherever you walk. So it's probably a, a, a lot of those combinations of things that keep the restaurant industry shittier than it really should be. I'd love to start the con- like you're starting to see people take mental health a little more seriously, or at least be willing to listen. Um, you know, you're starting to see. I'd love to see that conversation with the restaurant industry. You brought up a, uh, you just said something to pop into my head. Um, you know I'm a foodie. Oh, yes. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't gamble. Okay. A little social meth. <laughs> with friends at the trailer park. Um, I love food. And I have eaten at, proudly eaten at, some of the finest steakhouses America has to offer. Everything from Peter Luger's, the oldest family-owned mm-hmm. steakhouse in Brooklyn, to the Chop House in Indianapolis, uh, in Chicago. To St. Elmo's, these, some of these world-renowned places, Morton's, Charlie's, uh, and down here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, Eddie V's. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some good ones. Quiet plug. Hope they give me something for that. <laughs> now, what I noticed at the Chop House in Chicago, and at Peter Luger's, and at Eddie V's, something that was said by the server at a steakhouse, that's only said at those places, and I think some of the middle-of-the-road steakhouses, mm-hmm. the the Texas Roadhouses and the Outbacks and mm-hmm. Longhorns and places like that that are not bad places to eat for chain restaurants at all. They bring the steak to your table, and they say, would you mind taking a taste of your steak and see if it was cooked and flavored to your liking? Now think about that. What does every other steakhouse do? Would you please cut into your steak and make sure it's cooked properly? How do I know? Do I know the particular shade of pink? You know what I'm concerned with? Taste. Does it taste good? Is it tender? Is it flavored? Right. That's how these Highline Steakhouses ask their customers about that. Mm-hmm. They don't say, please cut into your steak and make sure it's cooked properly. Because then somebody cuts into it goes, nope, and then they send it back. It's almost like you're giving them a reason <clears throat> to, to... To send it back. Yeah. The sendbacks are 20%. 20% at these mid-chain restaurants. They're less than less than 2% at the Highline yeah. Steakhouse. I do think also that there's probably better training and higher skill and expectation at the high-end steakhouses because of the money you pay. You pay good money even at a mid-range train, but I feel like they also are paid shit and but they are about, overworked. They, 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 would have, they would have probably less, less than two or three steaks sent back a day as opposed to 25 to 30. That's assuming they're cooking it properly, though. There are, I've gotten from, let's say, Bonefish, which is not cheap. Uh, I have, this is years ago, but it was sort of a 50 50 thing. I'd order medium, I'd get it below medium rare, 
and it's not even the great cut of filet, uh, that kind of stuff, that has to be considered because, again, the smaller chains are going to pay less and have lower a lower bar of skill. But there is a happy medium where there can always be an improvement in the service and execution of these middle-of-the-road chains, and one, it's going to be better. One that. server at, uh, at Texas Roadhouse, not very far from, uh, mm-hmm. from my home, he loved that idea. He yeah. said, wow, my go-backs would probably be a lot less, wouldn't it? I said, for example, I said, the steak you just brought out to me, I asked for it medium. I think this is a little closer to medium rare than it is medium, but watch this. And I cut into it, and I took a bite of it, and I went, oh, fantastic. Mm. See? Thank you. Yeah. It tastes good. The difference between medium rare and medium to me, consistency-wise, not that much. It's not. <clears throat> but if you open that sucker up and you're looking, and it looks too pink, then all of a sudden now everybody else at the table is waiting for you to eat. If they're full of that obligatory, I have to wait for my friend mm-hmm. to eat, then their food gets bad. Everybody has, has a bad experience. Little terminologies can make a yeah. good experience for a, a customer at a restaurant. And I think presenting it the way that you're saying they do, where you're giving them the opportunity to turn it away, it goes back to that going trying too hard to appease the customer. They probably developed that practice based on complaints from customers. And instead of thinking of a way, okay, is it is it really, are they being reasonable? Because customers at restaurants, some of them are unreasonable pains in the asses and have expectations that they don't properly convey. And then other people are very easy. There has to be some kind of, again, uh, something in the middle where you, you don't just bend over backwards without even asking any questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets away. If you remove that question, um, yeah, that would, uh, that would annoy me as a server, dropping it off. See if it's okay. Uh, and I'm going to wait here because a lot of times it isn't. That's, yeah. that's the unspoken part. All right, so would you mind uh, cutting, cutting a small piece and, and trying it for taste and consistency? Mm-hmm. Boom. Done. Yeah. Just that simple. Speaking so of solved all restaurant uh, restaurant customer all problems. restaurant customer problems. Speaking of food and drink, I, I I'm looking over. I'm seeing you sipping on this beverage uh, through the whole first segment here. That looks like almost like a, the, the the shade of banana flavored something. What what are you drinking? Uh, you think I'm having a smoothie? Right? I, something. It looks a little. Did thick you think and, I got a smoothie maker for the anniversary? Is that what you think? Maybe. It's in a, It's in a cup that I can't tell. No, actually, back in 2012, maybe, yeah, 2012, I think it was, um, a friend of mine, uh, David Hanscom, who's also a disc jockey up in the Jacksonville area, a uh, very good friend, he, he's always been into health and, and fitness and so on, but he, he thought he was getting a little overweight, so he started a program, uh, Body by Visalis, or Body by Vi. Okay. And... He said, uh, he goes, hey, can I come down to, to your place and make a presentation, bring a bunch of friends over and stuff? I'll take care of all the food. And I thought, sure, why not? We'll do it. So he came down and uh, plugged his, uh, his uh, put his DVD in stuff. And we had about, I don't know, about a dozen people there. And he had uh, already pre-made the shakes in the other room, these little, these little cups. And so he was standing there talking. And as he was talking, he goes, man, is it hot in here? And he starts taking off his clothes. Literally, standing in my living room, starts hmm. taking off his clothes. Honey, did you order a strippers? Yeah, I mean, Dave, Dave's a good-looking guy. I guess. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he, you know, I'm starting to hear Pony by January. <laughs> and he had three shirts on. He had three shirts on and two pairs of pants. And he starts taking off, taking off, and taking off, and taking off. And there he is, 
what looks like 25, 30 pounds lighter. Lean. And he goes, this body by vine. And he goes, it's, you know, he goes, you've heard all the jokes and the cliches about one shake in the morning, one shake for lunch, mm-hmm. and then a reasonable dinner. He says, that's essentially what it is. But he goes, here, everybody tasted it. He goes, there's the orange ones and the, and the vanilla ones. Everybody took a taste. I didn't see one person who didn't go, wow, this actually tastes good. Right, like it doesn't taste like chalk, chalky, medicine-y, Tasty. irony. Yeah, it actually, it's just you, just, you just add one scoop to mm-hmm. milk, blend it up. You could stir it up if you want to. I got one of those little, like, you know, bullet Yeah, blender, I use a bullet for bullet it. Bullet blenders. And, uh, and he, goes, he goes, if you like orange, use just orange juice. It tastes like a dreamsicle. That's what I'm drinking this morning. Yeah. And so I went on the program for the summer. And I lost 30 pounds in three months. Wow. And it was gradual. Didn't feel hungry. Yeah. What is like, what are some of the things that are in the, there's just a powder that you add and, yeah. and then does it, is it, so I'm assuming it's fortified with vitamins and minerals, like tons sort of, of a, tons like of a meal replacement in a sense. Yeah, that's exactly what okay. it is. I mean, I'd love to get in and just say it has the U.S. daily recommended allowance of riboflavin. I don't sure. know. It might, it might not. All I know is, is it tastes good. It's easy to do. And it works for And you. my schedule in the morning is erratic. Sometimes, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I don't eat until 4 o'clock in, in the day. The problem with that is people think, well, you'll lose weight. No, your body goes into famine mode. Mm-hmm. It, starts, it starts basically shutting down. Going, it starts storing everything. So it's afraid it's going to go into a famine. So it starts storing. It doesn't burn stuff off like people think. That's a big, giant misnomer. Mm-hmm. So I started it uh, Sunday. So I, I would imagine by the end of this season, I will probably be 25 to 30 pounds lighter. That's where I really we'll, want to be. We'll be able to chronicle this, too, Absolutely. each week by, by the end of uh, the but week. Like we talked about, weight loss programs always work great on radio because you never see the guy. That's, that's true. But I, I am here to uh, – we, we can do like a measure. We could do a scale thing so we can verify. That's a possibility, too. Maybe, maybe we should maybe, do that. Maybe we'll end up getting a, uh, another unpaid sponsor out of this. Uh-huh. We'll see if, how we can get it to work. All right. Well, segment number two is coming up where we're going to be talking one-hit wonders. Our one-hit wonder tournament is in full swing here in Season 5. Last week's winner we will reveal as soon as we come back for Segment 2. We'll be right back. Looking for a unique and different kind of entertainment for your next fun event? Try a real live TV style game show at your home or your next event. All your favorites, The Feud, Jeopardy, Pyramid, Match Game, The Really Wed Game, and on and on. This is no board game or DVD version. This is the real deal. Full-blown TV setups, just like going to Hollywood, but saving you the trip to the West Coast. All ages love game shows and styles available to fit all budgets. Call 727-531-8880 or visit the website at GameShowParty.com and plan your next event being the one everybody will be talking about. Game Show Party, located right here in the Tampa Bay area. Social distancing guidelines respected. Hey everyone, this is Solio from the Lighter Side of Dark and I want to talk about my favorite bakery in the whole world, Cuppy Cakes. If you live in the greater Tampa Bay area and you have a special event coming up, a wedding, birthday, getting off probation, I want you to give them a call, go to their website, check out their work. It is impeccable. They've been around since 2011. 
and they make the most incredible custom cakes you'll ever see. www.ourcuppycakes.com or you can find them on Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook. Check them out today. I promise you won't be disappointed. Cuppy Cakes, where life is sweet. Lighter Side of Dark featured musical artist. One Hit Wonders back again. This has been a lot more fun, even more fun, than I thought it would be. It's always fun to dig through One Hit Wonders, but uh, we're having a tournament here, and you guys are helping us vote. So last week we had uh, six entries into the One Hit Wonder segment. Hold on, let me get my microphone fixed again here. That's still not helping. Either way. All right. Much better. I hope. Looks looks pretty good. Close enough at this point. So uh, we had songs like uh, Barbie Girl. Yes. Barbie Girl um, by Aqua. Come on Eileen. Which, one of my absolute worst hated I, songs of all time. there. Got it over with. Into the Night by uh, Benny Mardonis, which gave us the idea to do the uh, Mount Rushmore of creepy... Of creepy underage songs. girl songs, like... That were perfectly fine, sure. Yep. That'll be coming up later. <laughs> what was uh, what was a couple of the others you came up with? Let's see. What do we have um, for for last week? You mean? Yeah. Um, let me pull up my last. Uh, you looking them up? I was trying to look for what I had uh, had open last week. I can't see it on. I wrote mine on a post-it. That's what I need to start doing. Because I was old-fashioned. The, do- the documents all Of course, I don't have the post-it down. Um, I think House of Pain, Jump Around was one yes. that we had thrown out there. And the uh, and the one that um, ended up winning. The winning According to ent- our entry. our viewers was uh, Wild Cherry's 1976 number one hit for four weeks, Play That Funky Music, White Boy. Play That Funky Music. Interesting that it was only a number one hit for four weeks when it's become the number one hit at almost every wedding in the history of America since yeah. then. It's weird. You just never know. The charts don't always indicate what's going to become a hit again mm-hmm. or stay a hit. When, when I first started DJing, uh, we were still using vinyl uh, records and, uh, and 45, albums and 45s. And about at least once a month, we would get a new 45 to add to our collection. Mm-hmm. I mean, at minimum once a month. And right now, in 2021... I'm struggling to think of three songs that I will play that came out this year that I'll ever play after this year. Right. It seems to be that's what's it, it's shifted to just high volume all at once from an artist and and they just bombard it with listens and then it just goes away. It's almost like you have to let the dust settle and wait a couple of years and see if anything emerges. After well, I remember time. arguing with my my old boss Stu in uh, 1989 when Tone Loke's Wild Thing came out. Mm-hmm. 
I said, dude, this is going to be a hit song. We're going to be playing this song forever. No, you're not. It's a terrible song. It's just it's just one of those fad rap gangster songs. I said, it's not even gangster rap, Stu. Shut up. Boy, um, add a so touch you, a little bit? <laughs> yeah, just, just, a, just a tad. So, uh, yeah, and that song, we're still playing it to this day. Even, oh, yeah. even Funky Cole Medina, his follow-up. I mean, that intro is iconic, and the bass, the level of bass yeah. that it introduced to the mainstream was sort of just a... Uh, it's still the song to this day that I test my system to. It's a great. It is. It's a great uh, bass check. You make. Levels you, check. Yeah, you make the point because it's about the deepest bass response of any typical song we're going to play at a wedding. So mm-hmm. if, if, if your speakers sound good with that, yeah, you're good. Turn down for what's another bass check, but I'd prefer to use the old school uh, classic. All right. Well, I'm going to let you uh, lob the first one in. All right. First lob of the day. Let me open up my uh, text edit program. I'm going to throw out. Um, a song, well, I don't want to start with a really annoying one yet. How about a song that that became probably a bigger hit than it ever had any reason to because of movies and otherwise, but uh, Hathaway, What is Love? I don't recall having ever heard another song by Hathaway, and there's probably some people to this day who... Now they know. And the heads are going. From Night at the Roxbury... Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan. And Chris Kattan. And, and it's How interesting. did the Oscars miss that movie? <laughs> well, probably because of all the head bobbing. I, um, it's, it's, it's interesting because it, the, the song was not brand new when they started using it at Night at the Roxbury. But it was definitely a brief one-hit wonder hit on the radio, and I remember that. Um, but now it's one of those that's sort of been ingrained and everyone starts doing the yeah, motion. I was, I was DJing when it was popular, mm-hmm. got requests for it, and all everybody would do. Would and it's really just an excuse to do that. You to know? shake their heads back It's and not even a good dance song. It's <clears> just <throat> a, a song people have a fun association with, um, but definitely a one-hit wonder as far as I remember. Um, so that that's going to be my, my first one. All right, well, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a, a, very good, uh, a very good one. An excellent one. Trying, trying to... Uh, I would say. A very good one. Some some are annoying, some are catchy, some are none of the above, and I'm not sure what that one falls into, but it's uh, certainly a I was I would say comedy. annoying. <laughs> annoying and, and funny from the, the context of the uh, the sketch, probably. Yeah, I, 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 I would watch that one. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. All right, well, here comes my first one. I'm going to play the beginning of it, and you should say the title as soon as you recognize it. Oh, she blinded me with science. Oh, I really see, it only took you like half a second. It's like your sex life. That's it. Sex, me and Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. Yeah. I won a trivia contest one night on that's on a question about mm. that song. I'm going to ask you the question and see. Okay. <clears throat> First of all, I was the only person in the room who knew the answer. Okay. What was the name of the female assistant that he refers to in the song? He recognizes that she's beautiful. She takes off her glasses, lets her hair down in the video, and he goes, Oh my gosh, miss, you're beautiful. And you know, I actually remember Yeah, I, I, I really only know the key phrases in that song, even down to when he says she's poetry in motion, but I don't know the, the, the actual time he addresses her. I couldn't tell you. Miss yep. uh, Takamoto. Miss Takamoto. You, you, hear, you hear that British accent? 
Miss Takamoto, okay. you're beautiful. Interesting. Yeah. So he created like an Asian yeah. sex robot or yeah. something? No, no. She was she was like, in, in the video, she blinded me with science. That's who he was talking about. Okay. He, he was, she was uh, his assistant in the video, in the lab. Okay. And all of a sudden she, she takes the hat off, lets her hair down, takes the glasses off. She's some unbelievably hot, you know, Asian slash oriental chick. Interesting. So yeah. uh, Miss Takamoto. E- even then, the uh, the scientific guys had had like a weird, weird fetishes for... for uh, well, that goes along with that stereotype that all you know Asian people are smart. Well, all, all of them. That's what you know. That's what the stereotype that's, that's, says. That's, that's yeah. That's the rumor. <clears throat> White men can't dance, and black guys can jump high, and yeah, Italian guys are always in the mafia. Yeah, definitely, definitely can uh, can can say no to all of those. Yes, if you've ever lived life. So she blinded me with science. Thomas Dolby. Thomas Dolby. One hit wonder. Science. Definitely. I think it's eighty four. That sounds about right. Certainly early 80s, uh, before the midway point, I think, is a safe I'm actually, bet. I'm actually going to look you that up while you're, verify. while you're getting set up. All right. Well, then I'm going to dip into the uh, catchy uh, territory and um, go with a song from 1988, I believe, Okay. by Bobby McFerrin. Oh, there we go. Called Don't Worry, Be Happy, which, depending on the way you approach it, some people may find it annoying. Other people might find it a, a song that puts them in a good mood. The video is kind of amusing. I think it's it's a happy song. I think so. It's not played so much that it's a song I don't like. Uh, I actually owned the the uh, tape growing up, but I uh, can't say he had any other hits, even though people know who he is. You realize there's no musical instruments in this. No musical instruments, all him, all percussion, all musical instruments are coming from. a little song I wrote. Bobby McFerrin might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Which in itself is very fascinating. That be happy. He cracked out a hit with that. In every life we, we need to get him together with that guy from uh, Police Academy, who does. Oh, all Michael the, Winslow. Michael Winslow. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy, he could really. They could go on tour together. Michael Winslow could do all the percussion while Bobby McFerrin's doing. Wouldn't even need a. And if Marquis was still alive, bring him along to beatbox. Yeah. Oh man. Biz Marquis. Just he, a friend. He is. I didn't I write it down. I think that was going to be on our list somewhere. Absolutely. It's not on my list this week, but I think that's definitely going to be it on there. It definitely would be on there, so we'll, we'll give him a shout-out. Definitely, def- definitely going to be on there. Definitely, definitely going to be on there. So Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Good be happy. Good, uh, good entry into the, uh, into the segment. Yeah, there, it's gonna be a tough, there's going to be some tough uh, voting going on here. I think... Uh, I think I have a feeling what's going to advance based on what happened last week, but but you never know. We haven't named them all yet. Do you have another another one in your As a bag matter of, tricks? of fact, I do, and this one goes back to 1975. And the letter writes, "Dear Casey, Casey, my name is Rupert Holmes, and I'd like you to play a song about my girlfriend, who turned out to be the love of my life after all." I'm so glad you picked this. Well, I'll let it. Start. Rupert Holmes. The Pina Colada song, aka Escape. I was tired of my lady. It's being honest. We've been together yeah. too long. Listen to this prophetic statement. Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song. Oh, the irony. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that, but but he makes a good point. When you're when you're with your your wife or the love, the person you love for, the, it it's it's kind of like every day having your favorite meal. Yeah. You it's get, your favorite meal, but you had it yesterday. Yeah, you get spoiled. 
I love steak. If I have steak every night, I'm not going to want steak again. And I think that is, it's an oddly uh, deep line and an oddly deep song, honestly, for a silly, uh, I think it has sort of a silly connotation almost because of the... Maybe ironically so, like a like a oh god, this song is so cheesy. Well, see, if if Doctor Phil had this couple on on stage, oh, he'd, he'd go. See, you need to ask if he likes pina coladas, because I don't think he really likes pina coladas. Or does he like the rain? You don't know. You didn't ask it. We'll be right back after these messages. I've solved another one. Yeah. Uh, really, and it is a it is a very interesting study in psychology when you think about the lyrics of what this song is about, and you probably are very familiar with it. Where, and I know you know, where you know he basically puts out a, a classified ad. No, he finds, she, a, he finds classified. a classified ad. He responds yeah. to one, uh, meets this girl who's going to cheat on his his wife, um, and then he meets her, and it turns out it was her that put the classified ad. So they hook up. Oh, and ha ha! Oh, it's you. Yeah. Like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure if that would be the... the In the romantic comedy, I'm afraid the writer might have written a different response to that. A little, a little bit. Uh, that's not the hallmark. They, they went for a super hallmarky ending. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So it would have basically... Well, if it was a hallmark movie, he would have... Um, no, excuse me. If it was on Lifetime, he would have beaten her by now. That's true. Lifetime, there'd be a, a beating and some sort of sexual assault involved. True. And if it was a hallmark movie, uh, there would be some mentions of Jesus... And they'd meet. They they he'd stop her from leaving in the airport. And I'd be wishing someone would get a beating, and nobody yeah. would. Yeah, pretty so much. So that's that's definitely two yeah. sides of the. You're on the TV. Somebody's getting shit me out of them. Oh, you were on Lifetime. <laughs> yeah. How did you? Where did you find this cupcake contest? What neighborhood do you live in? Yep. So uh, so I, I think Escape, the Pina Colada song, would be uh, another entry into the One Hit Wonder Hall of Fame. A very valid entry to the uh, One Hit Wonder Hall of Fame. Still get the odd request for it. You know, again, I think it's usually in an ironic uh, sense, but I've got a great remix, the uh, Looking Back series, Brown Eyed Girl remix. Okay, it goes from Brown Eyed Girl into Cheeseburger in Paradise, into Fins, into Escape, okay, into Low Rider, goes into uh, and it's got that heavy uh, Caucasian backbeat to help yes. white people sing, uh, keep along. Great remix. I know it's in your hard drive. You should play it. Yeah. So it's all your best brown eyed girl. Play that one. I, and and I like and they do. They go. They all go to kind of go together. You can see how they were linked into a mix like that. They sort of have that same vibe. That's a skill set I wish I had. That ability to beat mix and put together some of those mixes. Some of these guys do. I I, I make fun of scratch DJs and oh, it's definitely its own skill. I, I DJs you know. who wear their headphones twenty four seven. Yeah. I, it, uh, by the way, can you think of any movie you've ever seen? <laughs> Where there's a DJ, and they're not wiggling their hands on the D- on the record, double and, table, and, and having a headphone every single time. It's their it's their brief two second way of showing, hey guys, there's a DJ in the scene. Right. Yeah. It's it's always the head. It's always one hand on the on the earphone, always ba- bouncing to the music. Scra- like he's doing eighteen things at once that don't really necessarily all go together, but you have to show he's a DJ in a, in a passing shot. Great movie called Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox. Yes. Filmed in Micanopy, Florida, just, just north of here, by the way. And there's, a, there's a, 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 a scene like a country harvest barn dance kind of thing going on, and this old lady is playing the records. 
and they cut to her, and she takes her finger and goes wink, 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 uh, two times on it. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just like it's just like like you said, a nod to the stereotypical DJ. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, really, when and it's not that there's not a place for that. There, there's a place for club DJs, absolutely. It's just a very specific, you know, s- skill set and talent. And uh, you're going to be dealing with a very big headache probably by the end with all that thumping and, and, and beat matching it's gonna just all right we are ready for your third and final entry all right third and final entry today i'm gonna go the annoying route the flush down the toilet route and i'm picking the proclaimers i'm gonna be oh my God. 500 miles one of my least favorite one it wonders that i can think of off the top of my head. i am telling you right now i hate Me too. this song this is going to the toilet yeah oh please Already, I would have changed it if I yep. had the power. Yeah, but see, I was DJing during this time. Oh, I, played this I know, yeah. I've had it requested even today, and I'm like, really? Still? Just because something's catchy doesn't mean it's fun, and, and, and I want to hear it. And it hasn't even gotten to the annoying part yet. That's how bad it is. Thank you. Flushed it before he could open his. Those twins opening up. Great choice. Horrible song. Great choice. But that's definitely, they're not mutually exclusive for this exercise. Um, I was happy to set that up to be flushed down the toilet. Hopefully. Oh boy, I hope the uh, the votes agree. We, we we never know. We could be advancing a toilet song. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Hey, Trump got elected, so well, <laughs> anything, anything's any, possible. Anything's possible yeah. at this point. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, I just remember people would go, "Oh, do you have a proclaimer?" I I, I would smile and go, "Yes." Mm. And they'd, they'd walk away, and as they'd walk away, I'd go, "I didn't say I was going to." Yeah, it. you didn't ask me either, so. <gasps> We could finish that conversation at the end of the night. There's another song of a similar time period and mm-hmm. similar genre. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let it. It's let it probably lose the other one on my list, but I'll wait. All right, we'll see. Um, yeah, that was because it was just it was one of those songs that just like for like six weeks, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to hear it, and especially when there was drinking involved. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that's definitely worthy of of a of totally a one-hit wonder and thankfully a one-hit wonder yeah a lot of these groups i'm thankful me too that they didn't generate anything else and maybe that's how it becomes a one-hit wonder they're like you know what it was good but i'm thankful that i never have to hear anything by them again so that's your hit enjoy it and you that's it no more well i've definitely got one here that's going in the toilet too i'm ready my body's ready but during its time okay and this was during your era so you played this Oh, sure. Ladies this is huge. Please welcome. Open Gangnam Style. Sigh. You can't argue with hundreds of billions of views on YouTube. I find, interestingly enough, young people still want to hear this. I have played this as, like, one of the last songs of the night, because I know people are just like, they're at that cruise control part of the yeah. night where they could basically, they'll, they'll dance anything. And I it's play. easy to just kind of hop along, like, it just, it's, it's not, you know, you don't even have to really know any specific dance to have fun with that song. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a good nomination, though. Um, because it, it definitely was about as big as you could get. It's, it's as bro- 
shine as brightly as you can in that period of time and, and it certainly had the views and listens for it all right so our our six entries for this week the um oh well, what was your first one uh i believe my first one was uh, hadaway what yes, is love what is love so and then you came back we've got thomas dolby yep she blinded me with science and then i hit us with the uh, bobby mcferrin and i think you've got the rest of them written so we'll yep. have to go and get those in for a vote and see i i'm gonna i have in my head which one's going to advance based on votes but i'm not going to say it until until we get to next week and uh we'll let the uh, influence we'll let the, anything. The, the the listener or listeners mm-hmm. Uh, let us know what they uh, what they want to do at that point. Yeah, I just think it's a uh, it's it's going to be a close one this week. But play that funky music, right, boy? Um, I think kind of left the others in the dust last week. Yes, we're we're trying to make sure that we're we're not picking one hit wonders that only you know DJs play at parties. But but there are a lot of one hit wonders. Yeah. Um, several that we have not discussed. One that I guarantee will be on next week's next show's list or or the show after that. Yeah. And then we have, uh, of course, the one by our good friend uh, Robert Van Winkle. I know that one's going to be on it's there. It's got to be. And um, fa- really famous comedians have also had one-hit wonders. Sure. Yes. Yes. Actual songs that charted the top 40. And that's, that's right. one of our rules. It's got to chart the top 40. Yes. It just has to have charted. And then it's a one-hit wonder. And it's, it counts as a hit. And, uh, can, can you think of an artist that you wish was a one-hit wonder. Oh, boy. It ended think. up having a career. Let me give you an example. I don't... Uh, I, I love Jimmy Buffett. But Jimmy Buffett's only real, real hit was Margaritaville. And he's made a 50-year career off of it. Yeah, he's brilliant. A marketing. I mean, I mean, he had other songs like Son of a Son of a Sailor yeah. and Come Monday. Come Monday is a good song. And, and Changes in Latitudes. Those those were songs. A couple of those charted. But from a, from a hit standpoint, there's no doubt Margaritaville is his, you know, that is like a, a sort of a legendary status among songs. It's hard to think of groups that you wish were a one-hit wonder but had other music after that that wasn't as good. Well... Uh, yeah, I, it, that and that's all personal preference too. For me, I kind of wish uh, Rob Thomas would have shut up when he put out his first song with um, that band. Oh God, that awful band he was with, uh, Matchbox Twenty. Just hated them so much. Thought they were very bland. Hootie and the Blowfish. Too. I got, I, I, I got a chance to see uh, Matchbox Twenty at the. Uh uh, the Ford Amphitheater out okay. at the fairgrounds. Yeah, I'll never. That's two hours and ten minutes of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> just a lot of this, just mundane, very, uh, I don't know, beige. They're just very beige to me. And uh, he made a, career, a long, successful career, but I never liked him any better. I mean, he was really the voice behind it anyway. So that's uh, they had a, you know, he had a longer career maybe than they did, but they had a few hits. And uh, I wish they didn't. So I guess that qualifies. Um, I was never a fan of Peaches and Herb. And that, that Peaches and Herb, they are, uh, what, Shake Your Groove thing? Would that be Shake Your Groove thing? No, that was, uh, Shake Your Groove thing was uh, um, another group. Peaches and Herb. I know they're... Sh- Reunited. Reunited. And it feels so good. Yep, then they came out with Solid. 
which was a, a, a solid failure as far as I'm concerned. Wasn't that Ashford and Simpson? Or is that the... You know what? You could be totally right. I think it is. But it's the same vein. Dude, you let me go on first season talking about Jess, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Beale. As was opposed it? to Jessica Beale. You let me go on for like 20 minutes about how I wanted to have sex with that woman. And you and I was... Totally and here I was thinking, thinking, oh, wow, he's really picking like an obscure couple of movies of hers. He's a fan. And I was just letting you go thinking I just never saw those. Because you knew what you were talking about, but as it turns out, it was just a completely different person. We're going to check the old thing here. <laughs> yeah, Ashford and Simpson was solid. Solid, right. okay. Um, solid as a rock, 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 yep. rock, rock. Kind of a, a, a comical, cheesy, comical 80s song. So mushy. i got to use the ampersand here. Peaches and herb. Peaches and Reunited herb. Reunited and Shake Your Groove oh, Thing. So, the two, so that's yes. it. So you were two. right, Shake Your Groove Thing. Um, that's where they, they, they should have stopped, right? Yeah, because that's kind of just a, you know, like in that funky disco era, that, that's an upbeat song. Reunited is very just, uh, what do you say, like to say dreary? Ladies and gentlemen, this is an all skate in the regular direction. Uh, all skate in the regular direction. And then at some point, a soul train line is going to form in this, in this arena. They also did a song called I Pledge My Love. That was just so. Yeah. Like, just it, it. I think it came with a bottle of like log cabin syrup. It sounds like, just the name of it. Yeah. It sounds like that extra gushy. All right, so we're gonna put these uh, these six back on the Facebook page uh, this afternoon and uh, this evening, sometime today or tonight. Shake or them up, roll the dice. Tonight I'll be at uh, Ferg's uh, Sports Bar. Trivia. Yep. yep. Trivia Doing night. Team text trivia from seven to nine. Anybody who, I think I should get this posted by that time. Anytime. Um, you guys want to come by, check it out. We're giving away passes to Side Splitters Comedy Club for up to 10 different people. We will be uh, talking about who's going to be at Side Splitters in segment number three, uh, which is brought to you by our good friends there. I will be um, out near the uh, Side Splitters location in Wesley Chapel this Friday evening. Very so nice. I might even go by and uh, check the place out. You should. Going uh, on Friday, December third, to see uh, uh, my oldest son's favorite uh, comic, uh, Dan Cummings, going to be there. Dan Cummings, and we're going to start uh, doing sort of a comedy spotlight as well, where we'll talk about either either we'll have interviews with comics or we'll have uh, some bios on any comics famous. You're trying to uh, get in touch with your friend Rod. I'm trying to get in touch with Bob. See if Bob will yep. help us out. Too. Yeah, we want to get some of our local comics to to kick things off because we know them, we trust them, and uh, I know they have a story to tell, and. Um, and really, just it, who doesn't love to laugh? Who doesn't need to laugh? Especially after woke ass liberals. <laughs> you asked. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> it's like you didn't come into a comedy club by accident. Yeah, you, you came here with purpose, right? You didn't come here to no. get the. You didn't get, come here to get the great price drinks, did you? And I, and I hate that there's trying to loop people like that in with some of the things that that I've said because it's like no. I'm not like that person, and I'm like that. Not like those other people. I'm kind of just, just wants want good stuff. I don't if want that funny, bullshit. It's it's if it's funny, funny. or or it's or it's meant to be funny. And and two of my favorites are, are Trey Parker and Matt Stone because they have been able to say f you this whole time, and get around the censors. They've still won awards, and yet they never ever ever give in ever. And that's why they're so great. They've never said that anyone is off limits. I was watching a YouTube video of uh, probably one of my idols, John Cleese, of uh, the Monty Python uh, troupe. <clears throat> and he talked about, um, it, it's hard to talk about what he talks about without trying to do a British accent with it. But he goes, uh, 
He goes, you know, there's a difference between there's a difference between comedy and laughter. He goes, there's a difference between comedy and laughter. Laughter and comedy are not the same. Laughter and humor are not the same thing. He goes, something can be funny and and you won't even laugh. But That's he true. goes, but he goes, you can make a baby laugh by going opening and closing your hands and going peekaboo, hmm. you know peekaboo and by the third time you do it the baby's laughing he goes you, that's a laugh that's not that's not, because that's not it's not comedy it's not humor it just it's just made it just made you laugh that's a really fascinating and a great point it, they're not really mutually exclusive or, or nor are they one is a direct result of the other it's it's true i use people will laugh because of their uncomfortable sometimes true uh if someone comes well, out one, well one uh, one comedian explained that as there's a buildup, and a buildup, a buildup of anxiety, and then a release at the punchline, mm-hmm. because you, 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 your body's thinking, "Where's this going? Where's this going? Oh, yeah. it's funny. Oh, it's funny. Oh my God, it is." Or it's it catches you off guard in a way that breaks the tension, and it gets the same response. And as, that's why as, I've always said Monty Python, Airplane, uh, comedy troops, and, and movies like that. Yeah, I think those are the ones that that you you have to think about it. And it's funny when you think about it. Mm-hmm. You a know. lot goes into it too. Yeah. And he, he said they're talking to them in the in the plane. He goes, "Well, it's a whole completely different kind of flying altogether." And the other three people go, "Well, it's, it's a, a whole completely, completely different, different kind of flying." flying. Yeah, and and, and it's and the literal way, joke. When I saw that in the in the movie theater, few people laughed, but I think everybody got it as funny. And and sometimes it took people, especially because it was a do, it was a new take on humor. It was very literal. It was very goofy. And they played it straight. Surely you can't be serious. Right. And, and, and the way they played it was, was like the movie Airport. Mm-hmm. You know, very straight and serious. Yeah. But the ridiculousness let it well, they, itself they, out. They, they told Robert Stack, do it straight. That's why, yeah. Do it serious. He they hired like, Leslie Nielsen for the same it, reason. I could do it like this. No, do it straight. It's got to look like it makes no sense. Yep. Um, Leslie Nielsen was a dramatic actor, and he delivered those deadpan lines as and a doctor. And with Monty Python, it wasn't it wasn't recorded in front of a live studio audience. That's true. It was just recorded at the BBC Studio One. So you just had to trust. Yeah. One of one of my absolute favorite Python sketches is the Argument Clinic. And is this he, the right room for an argument? Yeah, you know, he, Graham Chapman walks up and knocks on the door, and he walks in and he goes, "Hello, I'm here for an argument." No, you're not. He's, actually, yes, I, there was a sign at the... No, there wasn't. Have a seat then, anyway. And he sits down. He goes, all right. Your name? He gives it He goes, no, you know that's not your name. And yes, it is. No, it isn't. And he goes, uh, excuse me, I came here for an argument. No, you didn't. And, and he goes, well, this isn't an argument. This is contradiction. Long pause. No, it isn't. I mean, it's just, to me, and, and, yeah. and that's not... I'm not rolling on my couch mm. laughing but holding it's my stomach. But it's just the way they banter back and forth. No. It's like watching a tennis match. I, I agree just, 100%. That's and funny. Now that's a follow-up funny. Oh, my God, that's funny. Now that's even yeah. funnier. What could he possibly say to that? Oh, shit, he did. It's like a smile and then silent enjoyment at the clever cleverness. I find that I do that a lot with, with stand-up comedy. I will watch uh, from the back, if I, you know, from hosting or, or featuring at a show, and, and I watch uh, when the, the headliner is, is doing a set. And a lot of times I just kind of have my eyes open wide and i'm like i'm not no, always laughing but i'm like soaking it in i'm like wow like watching the audience laugh and and i get like those secondhand goosebumps sometimes from the start to finish process of the building and 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 just watching a pro really work and, and like you grab them and then they laugh at the release we were watching uh 
for dinner last night, we pop on a Family Guy or a Cleveland episode, and, and we'll sit and watch it. And my oldest daughter loves Family Guy. I played her in Family Guy trivia and lost. Wow. And lost. And I know you love Family Guy. But I will tell you that she misses some of the funniest lines because her woke ass turns mm. to me and makes a face when they say something that's quasi-woke. And she misses the, the, the funny part. Yeah. Uh, there was an episode just recently where uh, Peter puts happy birthday dog on the birthday banner for Brian. Okay. And Brian walks up and he goes, Peter, you forgot my name? Yeah, I kind of spaced on your name at the party store. You just have a good night, buddy. And then in walks Joe with Joe's son. And, uh, and, and they come in and Peter goes, hey, welcome, Joe. I don't remember inviting Jason, but come on in. And you hear Brian. And, 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 and my daughter turns when he goes, I don't remember inviting Jason. She turns, looks at me and makes this face. And Mrs. Brian in the background saying, oh, you remember his name. They miss stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to sit down with these millennials and go, pay attention, put your phone down, and watch the lines. In the movie Birdcage, in the movie Young Frankenstein, Arthur with Dudley Moore, there are some just absolute gems of comedy in there. The old man who's 90 years old, who's the butler, and it, it, you know, he, he, goes, he goes, would you like to wait in the library? Well, of course, the bathroom's completely out of the question. And that itself wasn't that funny. And then he leans into the old man, who basically just barely speaks, and goes, are you sure you want to be a nightclub comic? It's just incredible. Yeah. But, but people sometimes are either laughing, and they miss a line, and if you're watching a movie in a movie theater, you can't rewind it. Right. But I find that that's, it, comedy's really weird like that. Comedy's very weird. It speaks to people so differently. You know, someone could watch something and be cracking up the whole time, and I'm thinking, well, that's really just sitting there on a tee and really obvious and not funny to me. But I can't argue with people laughing. I so it's love, funny. I would love it if side splitters closed those two doors that they let people into the, to the main hall and had a huge painting of a yellow warning sign. Warning. You're entering an area where people are going to make fun of other people, ethnicities, types, stereotypes, jokes, humor, fun, laughter. Yeah. If you are woke, go home. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they even address that now with like a, a warning. You almost have to. It sucks that you have to because there's been such this, this forced outrage about things that really don't matter uh, in the grand scheme. And, and then Have you had a chance to watch Chad Daniels? Well, I listened to we, you were playing some of his jokes for me, and I've heard a little bit of his material based off of that. I'm telling and you, he's really I, funny. I love this guy because he absolutely attacks the audience when they don't, when like half the audience laughs hysterically and the other half sit there. Mm-hmm. He attacks the half that does. He goes, "Listen, he goes, how come I said that series of words? I put together a sentence, and it went in everybody's ears the same way. These people thought it was funny. You people went." Yeah, and he goes. You know what? He goes. How how could it go into that ear? Go into your brain, and and, and you know what? If your brain sucks. Okay, you shouldn't be here. Okay, right. and and he 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 starts talking um, about race. He said something about. Uh, he goes. I got I got nothing against black people. I dated a black girl in uh, in college, and he goes. Uh, he goes. One time we were making out, and she whispered in my ear, "Say something crazy." I said, I'm not going to tell my grandma about this. And and the crowd's laughing. And then and then he goes, I said to her, say something crazy. She goes, 
me neither. <laughs> and, and so half the crowd was like, ooh. And he goes, hold on a second. Hold on a second. He goes, another thing about her? And then he went into another thing about her. He goes, he goes, he goes whenever I would say something she didn't like, she would go, mm-hmm. And if I, if I kept saying it, she'd go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He goes, I felt like Jaws was coming up. <laughs> And he goes, he goes, of course, if you, if, 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 That's you know, hilarious. he goes, he goes, dude, he goes, if a shark's behind you, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is go jump in the water because most black people don't like to swim in the ocean. And then the crowd really moaned. He goes, got hold uncomfortable. on. He goes, hold on a second. He goes, you all moaned. Some of you moaned at that. He goes, but I, but what I said wasn't racist and I can prove it. I chose my words very carefully. I said, most black people. Not all. And I said, don't like to swim in the ocean, not can't. He goes, your brains are the ones that are messed up. <laughs> and he goes, also, by the way, black people, you don't like white people telling us this stuff? Quit telling people white, uh, tell white people shit you don't want them to repeat. <laughs> you know, and that he just kind of attacks these people. Yeah. He goes, no, you're not going to get, you, you came to a comedy club on purpose. Yeah. Laugh. Let your guard down. Dude, you were at my 50th birthday roast. These people brutalized me. Yes. And I loved every minute of it yeah. because I knew damn good and well they cared or they wouldn't have gone right. to the trouble to say the stuff. It was like taking something and just trying, okay, how can I try to make it into a joke form, basically? Not, I want to really make you feel bad about things. It's just, you know, and, and I guess some people can't, not everyone can handle it. Everyone perceives things differently. But uh, I think if you're going to a comedy show, comedy club, you have, you're not allowed to be offended or you certainly can't get mad at people. If you're offended, you're allowed to, but you can't. The Dave Chappelle blame special was the perfect example. Yeah, like just don't come back or just. He tells leave an amazing, fine. heartfelt story about his friendship with a trans person, and then somehow the trans community and then all the other communities decided, oh, somebody offended yeah. somebody. I need to rally with them. No, you really yeah. don't. Yeah, just BS virtue signaling. Like, no, oh, I yeah, mean, I'm not. Really one of, I'm not one of these stupid people that think, well, where's White History Month? Well, White History Month has every, been every month. Over we've been the last, writing it <laughs> over over the last four hundred years. Right, that's been White History Month. Yeah. Uh, or they go, well, well, you know, well, they're having a Miss Black America. Why don't we have a Miss White America? Well, we actually did for sixty years. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not one of those people that think that you know we're the uh, oppressed or we're the minority because the right. bottom line is we're really not. No, not there's, at all. There's, there's too much evidence out there to the contrary. So that's correct. All right, we're going to be back with segment number three. We're going to be talking uh, in uh, in honor of this month being uh, Native American Indigenous People Month. We're going to be talking about the um, that the Mount Rushmore. Interesting that Mount Rushmore was part of the Dakotas, which was part of the Lakota tribe, <laughs> and that's where we, of course, put our Mount Rushmore. Go figure. Hmm. Uh, we'll let some peaches and herb take us into the break. Hey.
you have old furniture that you just don't like anymore? Instead of throwing it away, donating it, or selling it at a yard sale, then spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on new furniture, consider having your old furniture redone. My wife and I did, and we don't regret it. The bedroom set was great. It was well built. Just the old oak finish was not only worn out, but outdated. The good people at Obsessed Distress Furniture took them and made it look like we had a whole new set. And it was a lot less than paying for a new one. They can do just about any color combination, and adding that distressed look is really in style nowadays. From bedroom sets, dining room sets, to even a simple coffee table and end tables. Whatever your needs, they even sell furniture they've already completed. So visit their website at obsesseddistressed.com or call 352-600-8221 or look them up on Facebook. Obsessed Distressed Furniture, making your old furniture new again. We abide by all CDC and COVID restriction requirements. Hey everyone, it's Solio from the lighter side of dark. Let's be honest, 2020 has not been a lot of fun so far, and we could all probably use some laughs. When I need some laughs, my favorite place in the world to be is at Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa, Florida. Live stand-up comedy every Wednesday through Sunday night. Nationally touring acts, there's even acts you've probably never heard of that are hilarious. If you've never seen a live stand-up show, I want you to go. They are so much different in person and they are so much better. You feel the energy, you really feel like you're part of something special. Sidesplitterscomedy.com, you can get your tickets online, you can pick out your seats online, so you can sit wherever you want. If you want to be in the back because you're afraid, that's fine, you can do that. Go to Sidesplitterscomedy.com and grab your tickets today. Now it's time for our Mount Rushmore segment, brought to you by Side Splitters Comedy Club in Tampa. Or as we like to refer to them, the split. Because there's two now. There is two. Wesley Wesley Chapel uh, has a side splitters half. And uh, as is does it side splitters laugh harder? I don't know. I don't know side if side splitters when the laughter strikes back. <laughs> the laughter strikes back. Ta-da. That works for Side me. splitters too. When nature calls. Maybe that's it. The return. Nature does call. I've seen uh, many, Side many people. Too, when Harry met Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> other, other, other funny sequels uh, I could make fun of. Um, oh, Side Splitters 2. Look who's laughing. Look who's laughing. Who's going to be at the split this week, Paul? Uh, let's see. Well, we've got Eric Griffin. If you've seen Workaholics, uh, then you know him. Um, he's he's been on. I mean that that's well that's the most known, but uh, he's also a stand-up and he's been touring for years. Writer, podcaster, um, yeah, it's Montez. So um, probably the best way would be to get your tickets online. I would say grab him online. He's a special event because uh, people know him and they're going to want to come out and see him. And uh, so that's always a good way to get tickets in general. And you don't have to talk to human beings. And that's, and that's just a way around it. So, uh, Thank you for calling Sidesplitters Customer Service. Yeah. My name is Terry. How can I help you today? Yeah, none of that. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I apologize that you are having trouble ordering your, your tickets online, Mr. Man. Mr. Solio. Your name is Solio, correct? And that's what I usually just kind of nod. I'm like, yeah, that's, that sounds right. Because there's no amount 
Because I have a friend named Solio. I listen to his podcast. He's very, very funny. Yeah, so that's how I know that they're faking it. And they're just reading off of a script. All right. So who else? Uh, well, he'll be here uh, Thursday through Sunday. And let's see if I can... Uh, I'm trying to get to the... Trying to get to the uh, other web page, the other website, say the other side locations. So let's go to the Grove and see who's at the Grove this week. Andy Hendrickson. Pull up Andy. I'll tell you a little bit about Andy. Not a real podcast. This real stuff po- would have already been done, but whatever. Well, you not know. better. He's a writer, actor. Built his career in New York. He's uh, lives in L.A. now. Very clever, sort of conversational style. Uh, Material is based on real life stuff, which is always easy to identify with. Storytelling comics. It's a storytelling. If comics. I was a comedian, that would be the. I, I would do an entire story for like forty-five minutes and just have one big punch. Just line one big end. punch, line. and you could just take them on that ride. Ta-da! Basically, kind of uh, describes himself as the exasperated guy next door, uh, which I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to. If you like Lewis Black, yes, right. Probably... He's a little bit exasperate. <laughs> um, he's been on Letterman, uh, Craig Ferguson. Gotham Comedy Live, uh, so he's. Uh, I miss he, I miss Craig Ferguson. He was such a great. God, really, I loved his stuff. And a, really, a bit ahead of his time too, with some of the stuff he addressed on his show. He was an example of someone who was funny, but not like laugh out loud right. funny. Yes, that's a good example. Like yeah. you just watch him, listen to the points he's making, uh, agree with a lot of it, nod, smile. I did that a lot with him. Yeah, he I, was read, always, I read his. Uh, I read his book, the. Uh, the Unnaturalized American or something like that. It was, it was just mm-hmm. really, really a great book. Yeah, he's a very interesting guy. He was always very open about any struggles he ever had, which is refreshing, and people kind of appreciate that. So uh, hopefully we see him pop up again. I hope so. It wouldn't be bad. I miss Craig. All right. So let's talk about uh, this being Native American uh, Celebration Month, Indigenous Peoples Month. Uh, we discussed that in segment one, that uh, they were Indians, then they were Native Americans, now they're indigenous people, and they're probably just going to end up being called We Were Here First, or something. That, that, that would be more accurate, really. Yeah. We Were Here First. But that would imply that, you know, we took something from them, and we don't like to talk about our, our history. We don't like to have our kids learn what real history was really about. Yeah, like, uh, sorry, here's here's what some of people were like. Now, I don't have any personal relation to these people, but the people that were here before us, this now is kind of... I don't know how. what the problem is, these black people. Didn't we have a black president? Didn't that fix everything? It fixes everything. Takes away all the problems. Back in the 1950s, they were separate but equal. What more did they want? They were equal. They couldn't go to our colleges, go to our toilets, and you drink out of our same water fountain. But, you know, no, but other, other than, than that, that, very equal. Yeah, right in the back of the bus. Anyway. Extremely equal. Um, I mean, believe me, uh, African Americans got a uh, uh, the shitty end of the stick. But uh, the Indians, whoo, they got some too. Well, I'm going to go first. I'm sure that we have a lot of the same ones we, we very on, well our, might. on our list. Um, I am going to bring up one named crazy horse crazy horse yep chief crazy horse this is where you know you may be familiar native americans have some cool nicknames uh, well they, they actually their real names these are their real names so they are so crazy. cool their real names are so cool they be they crazy. sound like nicknames. yeah because on their birth certificates you know at the hospitals no, people were just born. And they, they also didn't name their kids until they got older and started behaving in certain ways. Right. And hence the name Crazy Horse. Interesting. He was uh, basically a, a, a kid who killed his first buffalo when he was eight. 
wow, fought in the uh, Sioux Nation Wars uh, against other tribes and received all kinds of feathers because that's how they built their headdress. They would receive a, a particular turkey feather or an eagle feather based on their acts of war or what they did for their tribe or their community. And he actually went on to uh, participate in and was at um, Little Bighorn. was mm-hmm. part of the Sioux Nation that fought at Little Bighorn and uh, became a chief and continued on. I think he died in 1886, okay. if I remember correctly, 1886. I don't have this directly in front of me, so if I'm wrong, uh, and y'all want to go to Wikipedia and prove me wrong, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, Crazy Horse. And and I remember um, the high school that I went to, our mascot was the Redskins. The Redskins, boy. Back when it was okay. And and by the way, I I believe the Atlanta Braves are fine. I believe the Golden State Warriors are fine. I even believe the Kansas City Chiefs are fine. Why? Because most Native American councils have said those are references to the bravery of their people. Mm -hmm. Redskins, kind of derogatory. But yeah, I played you know for the Redskins, and I actually did a paper on Crazy Horse. So I know okay. that. So, so you, you know, you can't be responsible for everything people did before you were here. Right. It's, 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 it's but fun. you also can't act like we you know that we didn't basically just decimate an entire culture of people. Sure. Uh, because we wanted uh, the land they were yeah. standing on. Because Lord knows there's not enough of it. Well, my ancestors, my ancestors did not. But all if we're talking about all. Oh, a little, little theme music. If we're talking about Crazy Horse, I think it's only fair that we mention uh, Sitting Bull. The man, the myth, the, the legend. legend. Sitting Bull, obviously, again, part of the uh, the uh, Great Sioux War of 1876, where he was part, uh, uh, really a central figure in the historic defeat uh, of General Custer. Little, um, What's funny is that's, that's, one of, that's like a battle in American history where the Americans got their asses kicked, mm-hmm. yet we know about it. And I wonder why that is. Yeah, um, he is someone who also killed. At, at, he was 10, 10 years old when he killed a buffalo. Yep. I can't even barely kill a fly because they're too fast for me. But these these guys are killing buffaloes when they're like single. Mr. Miyagi could catch a fly with chopsticks. With chopsticks, and that's why he is a legend. Asian little some bitches. Um, like uh, like uh, most. Native Americans, much of his life was shaped by the struggles against the uh, expanding American nation. I mean, that's pretty much the life of a Native American in that era. That's all it was, is fight, trying to fight back against these, like, what the hell? Oh, um, and, and sign treaties that, okay, from this river north uh, is our land. And then six weeks later, no, we've decided that that treaty doesn't mean anything. Yeah, just... So now pick up your... TPs, wampum, and move on down the road. Right. Yeah. No problem at all. Just uh, we're not going to kill you. Just move into the mountains. You know, it's it's amazing to think that they haven't been erased altogether from history. Uh, just given what we know about how people like to glaze over facts, and and if it doesn't suit the current agenda, uh, it's real. I mean, God, you see it all the time with China, and you see it with America. It's well, they they estimated uh, in the 1500s to 1600s there were over 25 different nations and tribes of Indians all over the U.S. Again, I use the term Indian just as I'm just used to saying it, just not in a derogatory manner. And then by the 1700s, uh, there were 11. The, the tribes were still there, but they were just they just kept getting pushed further and further west. And there was talk 
there was talk of giving the Oklahoma Territory mm. to uh, the Indians and having that kind of be their own sovereign country. And uh, that, of course, didn't last very long as the westward expansion came. And then they moved on to New Mexico. They kept pushing the... And then when they found out California was so unbelievably rich with minerals and its own you know, sustainable livelihood uh, and e- economy, then they're like, okay, well, now let's move them a little bit further north. And then it became Wyoming and, and so on and so forth. But uh, they estimate that in the 1800s, at the height that... Uh, the population of Indians in the entire country fall below a million. Wow. And that's 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 a big giant drop off from the estimated uh, eight to nine million that were there. Estimated, there was no real way to count right. back then. There, these are all estimates based on a lot of genealogy. And speaking of genealogy, um, my biological grandfather on my father's side was half Cherokee Indian. Really? So... I'm essentially one-eighth, but when I did my genealogy, it didn't show up, hmm. and I, I kind of called bullshit on that, so I did some research on Ancestry.com and found out that the there's not a pool of genealogy and DNA from the Indian population, because they are withholding that information. Oh, wow. So I am one-eighth Cherokee Indian blood-wise, but there's no way that Ancestry and 23andMe can prove it because, because they, they don't have... They don't have the code or whatever yeah, it is to match it up. The, the so Native Americans aren't providing their their DNA and, okay. and stuff like that, and I, I can understand it. Oh, sure, I yeah. I can actually relate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it makes sense when you when you lay it all out like that, for sure. Speaking of uh, sovereignty, I've got to get my George, my George uh, W. Bush story in there. Sure. He was speaking uh, in... Montana or maybe Colorado for the uh, Native American Council. There were eight of the chiefs. They still they're still called chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they asked President Bush then, uh, can you define sovereignty? Because you have referred to us in your speech as being a sovereign nation. And it, this is wor- I mean you can look this video clip up. You can look this video clip up. I swear to you, it, it's it's one of those things that's hilarious, but not funny. Right. He's like, well, if you're if you're sovereign, see, therefore you 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 have sovereignty, and by being having your sovereignty, that means you're a sovereign nation. You, you see what I mean? You're, you're, I think I remember you're, this. You're, you're you're sovereign because you can you can do and say and and kind of coordinate the, you know. So you're you're sovereign, and you've got therefore because you're sovereign. You have your sovereignty, and I'm looking at these guys on the council, and there you can tell they're looking at each other, going, "We lost to this guy's ancestors. Uh-huh. We got beat by this." I mean, it was just a, it was a sad testament to to white people everywhere. God, just word salad because he didn't really know what to say. Probably. All right, I got the next one. Go for it. I got a funny feeling you're going to go with a chick. For your next one, so I'm gonna go ahead and take another. Take I another. Don't actually, but the, but you don't have a chick on your I, list. I don't. Boy, the indigenous female population I is gonna so. be pissed at you. I guess they will be. Well, screw that then. Boy, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the right one. Smith <laughs> of, of Solio and Smith is the one that is not a misogynistic oh. Indian uh, hating some bitch. That's true. Uh, I am going to go with the uh, the woman who helped Lewis and Clark. 
discover hmm. the entire uh, territory. Louisiana Purchase. Okay. Sacagawea. On uh, Made Famous, uh, some of you who have never heard the name, got a gold coin once from the post office when mm. you bought some postage and they That's had to right. give you a dollar back because uh, he can't give you the paper money back. Uh, Sacagawea was a, a guide who, uh, when Lewis and Clark uh, got into northern Louisiana, they were looking for a guide who was familiar with the territory of the northwest. Mm. They, they, they literally pointed you know, this way. And so they had made arrangements with, I believe it was a, a Shawnee tribe or Shoshone tribe. And they, uh, they said, okay, we need a, a good guide who's going to be willing to go with us for the next year and a half. Okay. And, uh, you know, they'll have their lodging and pay, uh, paid for and so on and so forth. And they'll be doing a great service to their country, which, of course, if you're Shawnee, that's not your country. Hmm. And the next morning they show up with uh, Sacagawea. And, boy, Lewis and Clark were pissed off. They said, she's a woman. Obviously, she's our best tracker and best guide and knows the territory better. They they argued and fussed and fought for uh, two days. And finally, uh, you know, Lewis and Clark were concerned. You know, they didn't want to bring a, a woman on the trip because they're weak and they, they can't handle themselves in the wild and also just worried about, you know, oh, I don't know, the haphazard raping that kind of happens. Yeah. Um, but according to uh, um, not really her memoirs that were that were found, but notes that she had taken um, after you know a week of her saving their asses, suddenly she gained a great deal of respect from uh, from Lewis and Clark. Mm. My uh, one of my ex wives, one of my ex wives' mother, which meant her too, was a distant, distant, distant uh, relative of uh, of Clark. Really, mm-hmm. boy, you got some ties here to yep. the, uh, the genealogy to the uh, to the OGs. Yep, hmm. the original gangsters. Yeah, interesting. All right, All right. so Sagajoya. I'm na 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 na. I was the first one I to get a woman on there. So there is another famous uh, Indian woman out there. Oh, there's plenty. I'm sure. I just uh, just kind of you know picking. We've only got four slots, so uh, one more. We've got one more to throw out there. I'll throw out. Uh, a name that uh, people are probably more from white people are probably more familiar with yelling it than they are hearing the name. <laughs> Guess what? And I think Let's I know. Say it together. One, two, three. Geronimo. Geronimo. Yep. Uh, who was an, an Apache leader? Uh, again, one uh, another uh, leader who was uh, tr- continued in the tradition of resisting the white colonization of their home. Would imagine that. What the hell are you guys doing? Um, and they were involved. He was in a lot, involved in a lot of raids uh, into Sonora and Chihuahua in Mexico. So the uh, Mexicans actually had kind of put a bounty on the Apaches and vice versa. They were kind of uh, at war with Mexicans also. As so, much as America. Yes. Right. Um, and so that was kind of, uh, in fact, that sort of defined him even a little more because uh, one night while he was out on a, on a trading trip, uh, it was Mexican soldiers who attacked his camp and... He returned home to find his his mom, his wife, and his kids. His three children were had been killed. So I can't imagine. That'll piss you off. I mean, that's like movie shit. You know, that's the kind of stuff. Like, okay, now I have nothing left to live for. So if they I did the movie, Steven Seagal would have to play him. Oh boy, God help us if he did. Oof. Um. So obviously that devastated Geronimo, and it just sort of became the... Uh, v for Vendetta after that. Yeah, at that point, just sort of the rallying cry for the rest of his life. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, he never... He did eventually surrender, 
Um, and uh, believe it or not, though, he made it to the early 1900s. He died in 1909. Um, 1909. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't he spend the last 20 years in basically a prisoner of war? Yeah. So he was pretty much a, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, became... He lived to be 80. Yeah. Not bad considering. Yeah. Uh, considering all... Most people that they died were in their mid-30s. Yeah. And, uh, and considering his people were essentially under attack for most of his life uh, to make it to 80. Probably not a fun 80, but you gotta, uh, you got to acknowledge it. And, but, dude, uh, I'm not even 60, and I can't imagine 80 being fun. No. No, and he still wasn't, you know, on his deathbed. He was like, I never should have surrendered. And I'm sure you would feel that way if, you know, if you wind up uh, in, in the end. You know, that's your last thought. It just, it's pretty sad. It's just the whole... The whole history, really, is sad. So it's there's nothing. None of these end with like, and then they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Geronimo. And what's really sad, we talked about this before we uh, started the podcast in our kind of pre-show uh, banter. Uh, we're we're talking about you know these are the most famous Native Americans, and they all lived in the 1800s. Yeah. Basically, um, there is no Americanized or mainstream version of Native American culture after that. No, not to that level. There's people that are famous with Native American blood and all that, but it's not going to ever be the same as the the, the, the people who were truly indigenous, full-blooded. Uh, you know, that's this is where we have to go back to in terms of uh, teaching history. It's, it's really sad. I love the, uh, the way that the, the American history characterizes the battles, that it was a hard-fought battle when most of the time we were weaponized and they were fighting with tomahawks oh, and, it's, and bows and arrows i'm i'm pretty sure if if we had the same weaponry we would have gotten our asses uh, kicked uh, and we, i say we i wasn't i'm no, not related we, to anyone that came over in that in, fashion, the, in the revolutionary war we stole tactics from the native americans sure. that's how we won world war ii the new the bomb <laughs> we we oh. didn't we didn't line up in rows 10 across and 40 deep standing there in line for the enemy to shoot us like the uh, English did. Mm -hmm. We basically hid in trees and hid behind rocks and stuff like that. You know, we fought like you were kind of supposed to. The English fought the proper way. With big red coats and like, oh. You see us coming. That's how they took over the world. That's why they were English provincial pretty much everywhere is because they were just such a massive army Mm -hmm. that they intimidated uh, whoever they wanted to take over at the time. And and again, back in the in the days of again cowboys and Indians, the the Indians got guns and they found guns and they took guns. They had no ammunition. Right. Yeah, they just were completely under prepared, under uh, or overwhelmed by by you know. Technological superiority, I guess, is the, is the yeah. Easiest they would they would find bodies of American soldiers after after the battles and strip them completely clean, and you'd mm. th- and you'd think, well, they're taking everything. No, they were just taking the bullets. Yeah, they they would leave gold, they would leave knives, they would leave all that kind of stuff. They would take the bullets because that's what they needed. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And they knew too, even if they if, if just by leaving the gun, if they had enough, or you know, maybe they were more comfortable with tomahawks and spears and all that type of weaponry but you can't do much without the bullets so it's if anything else they're just protecting themselves from someone else being able to to kind of refill their their uh, their guns but it really is it's like you never you never hear about that part of it how nope. how it was kind of a bringing a knife to a gunfight essentially or in this case a tomahawk tomahawk to a gunfight, to a gunfight. bows and arrows yeah 
but that was that was their long range artillery were bows and arrows. Sure. Yeah. You work with what and you have. When it when it came when it came to uh, utilizing horses in battle, nobody better. Oh than sure. Indians. They were nobody better. Pretty much. If anyone, you know, if 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 dogs is man's best friend, horses would be Native Americans' best friend. I would I would think. No about doubt it. <clears throat> well, we got to do an honorable mention for, of course, Pocahontas. Of course, yeah, Pocahontas. Pocahontas. And we wouldn't have uh, Thanksgiving and John Smith and all that great stuff without uh, Pocahontas. And as far as some fictional Native Americans, Tonto. Oh, yeah, Tonto. Tonto, sure. absolutely. Tonto. The Johnny Depp one in the movie, The Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger movie was terrible. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Depp was definitely more authentic as what Tonto would have been. Funny. Yeah. You know. And it reminds me of that joke where Lone Ranger and Tonto says, Oh my gosh, look, Tonto, a thousand Indians coming over the bridge. What are we going to do? What do you mean, we, pale face? Uh, That's one of my favorite jokes. That's funny. Pale face. And uh, Chief Crazy Coyote. Chief which Crazy. Was, was a great cartoon back in the late 60s, uh, uh, early early 70s. Chief Crazy Coyote. <laughs> That's how he sounded. I'll never forget that. Good stuff. All right. Well, that is uh, episode five. Excuse me. Episode season five, episode two, and we have uh, put that one in the can. Paul, tell us where they can uh, find out more about us. Go to uh, if you have Facebook, which I'm sure you do, whether you want Meta. to. Meta. Oh, Meta. You uh, have to say it calmly. Oh boy. If you are on Meta, it sounds yeah. like you're on a drug. There's, there's really no way for me to say that calmly. I don't think. Um, what happens if they uh, if they knock you out of? Uh, what used to be called Facebook jail wouldn't it? Would it be called Metapause? Pro- that it should be. That's when you get. Yeah, that's when you get uh, when you're in a holding holding a position. I'm sorry. You said you said white trash. We're putting you in Metapause. Metapause. Sorry, that's your social credit score in the tank. Um, yeah, go uh, search for us on Meta, Facebook, whatever you have. Uh, LSD podcast or Lighter Side of Dark. If you want to email us with either uh, ideas or suggestions um we've gotten a few suggestions very like nice. stop doing a podcast like, stop that's one of my favorites uh-huh. listener at lightersideofdark.com that's spelled the right way listener l y or no yeah just all one word no d-a-r-c just lighter yeah. side of dark lighter side of dark be sure to vote for uh, this week's uh, one hit wonder which one should be moved on in the tournament hadaway's uh song from uh, oh yeah what is love what, what is, is love uh, Escape, the Pina Colada song. Don't worry, be happy. She blinded me with science. The Proclaimers, proclaiming a one-hit wonder status back in the uh, mid-90s, mid to late-90s, I'm going to be. And Size Gangnam Style. So you got to make a cast your vote, let us know, call us, set up a smoke signal in honor of Indigenous peoples. <laughs> and we will see everybody uh, back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Solio, it has been a pleasure working with me. Oh, man, it really has. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Stay safe out there, guys. Bye, guys.
Lighter Side of the Dark podcast is a brainchild of DJs Rob Smith and Paul Solio, a weekly podcast recorded in the famed DJ School Studios in Spring Hill, Florida. Original music provided by Seth Book and a local Tampa band called Utska. Announcer, Dave Anthony. Nothing in the podcast is meant to be taken seriously for entertainment purposes only. Written and produced by both Rob Smith and Paul Solio. Divisions of RSP Events and Entertainment and Solio Entertainment. Edited by Rob Smith. Written by Paul Solio. Hey everybody, Rob Smith here from The Lighter Side of Dark. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your busy day to listen to one of our podcasts. Don't be afraid to go back in the archives and start at the beginning. Season one, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. But first of all, thanks for being a listener. We do appreciate it.